Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. We're happy that you joined us, and we're going to be chatting with David Benavides, uh, the former 168-pound champion. Uh, he's an all-action, exciting fighter uh, who appears to be poised to, again, make some great things happen in the 168-pound division. And as always, I'll also be answering a number of your questions that you send me uh, to Al Bernstein, at Al Bernstein, on Twitter. And let me bring in uh, the gentleman that helps me on this show, uh, my co-host, Mr. Trip Mitchell. Hi, Trip. Al, uh, amazing coincidence. You've got an interview with David <laughs> Benavides, and yet you're doing his fight coming up on Showtime. Uh, how did that work out? Go figure. It's almost as if somebody planned this, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Planning never goes in. Yeah, that couldn't possibly be it. Um, yeah, on March 13th, uh, he'll be fighting Ronald Ellis on Showtime, and I will be ringside calling that fight. And we'll have a, in this interview, we have a chance to, to talk to David Benavides about that fight. It should be a, a really fun night of boxing. And, um, uh, Ronald Ellis coming in off a win over Matt Korobov, and he thinks he can get an important win if he was to beat David Benavides. But Benavides, of course, sees it as another chance for him to move back into a position where he can win a 168-pound title. This is actually a, a true title eliminator fight. So in theory, he could either have one more fight before he got to a world title shot again, or his next fight could be for a world title. So... We'll see how that all plays out. And ironically, you come in at 168, as do I, so that's perfect <laughs> for the interview. We're, we're, we weighed in just exactly on point for this. Perfect. Hey, our first question, and this is a great one, and it's kind of a one of those myths that out there uh, in the world of boxing, and you can address it. Darren O'Hare writes, would you say that people who never saw the best of Ali, the were those the years, the three years that he was away from boxing and would have really competed at his prime? It's a really interesting topic that boxing fans have talked about a lot, and it's been dealt with in documentaries and, uh, and stories. And it's intriguing because there's a part to it that's reality that uh, merits a lot of discussion. Then, there, as you said, there's a part that's almost like a myth that was made. Let's deal with the, the facts of it first. The um, actual layoff came, of course, because Muhammad Ali uh, refused induction into uh, the military. And it began on March of 1967, and it extended through October of 1970, when all the boxing commissions withdrew Muhammad Ali's license because of the fact that he refused induction into the U.S. military. Of course, many um, believe it was uh, an unjustified move by all those boxing commissions, depriving him of a chance to apply his craft when he had not been charged yet with any crimes. And uh, and. In any case, the exile came, and as I said, it lasted for two and a half years. Now, some some things to remember is uh, he had just beaten Zora Foley, uh, knocked him out in seven rounds uh, a little bit before that, and also in 1967, he'd already fought one other time earlier against uh, Ernie Terrell. 
Uh, and prior to that, he fought five times in 1966. So he was fighting a lot. So clearly that layoff of uh, two and a half years took away a lot of fights from Ali. However, as you see, he was 25 years of age when the uh, layoff came, the exile, and he came back at age 27 and a half. So here's the part about this. No question uh, that it took away a portion of Ali's career that would have been very fruitful. As I said, he was fighting often, uh, could have fought as many as eight times in that period at the rate he was doing fights back then, which is probably shocking to fans now when they think of how often fighters actually fight. But the myth, the mythological part of it is that that irreparably damaged Ali's career or really changed the dynamic of it. Think about it. He was 25 when he had the the exile, and it was 27 and a half when he came back. So he came back still as a young fighter. And the exile didn't come because of injury or some physical damage. So he had that time off, and certainly no one wants to have that kind of exile. And if, then there are, is the reason for it, which many people feel is was totally inappropriate. So uh, that part adds to the mythology. But the reality is that that two and a half year layoff came at a time in a way when he could rebound from it. And at age 27 and a half, he did. And of course, uh, did many, many great things after that, including uh, winning the, the heavyweight title uh, back uh, twice <laughs> and, um, you know, doing some extraordinary things. So um, that time certainly hurt Ali and hurt Ali's career, uh, but it was not as dramatic as some of the the myth suggests it was unfortunate to be sure and uh, inappropriate that it happened to him uh, and wrong. But uh, nonetheless, he was able to come back from that. And it's interesting when you actually go back and dissect the facts uh, related to it. Well, I mentioned that, that um, we're going to have David Benavides as our guest. This young man uh, is a terrific young fighter. Uh, formerly had the 168-pound championship, twice lost it outside the ring, but uh, believes uh, he is on a path to regain that championship. And as we mentioned, we'll be fighting on March 13th uh, against Ronald Ellis um, to try and get a step closer to a world championship. And in this conversation with David, we talk about that upcoming fight. We talk about his... Um, uh, what's happened in his career and uh, how he expects to proceed in the coming years. So here's our chat with David. Well, David, the, the, your last fight was like the best of times and the worst of times, right? You know, you performed exceedingly well um, in beating uh, Romer uh, Alexis Angulo. And in fact, were the first person was the first person to stop him. So that part was fantastic. Unfortunately, you didn't quite make weight, and so your title went away. Um, you went up to, you're up in Big Bear, uh, where you've had an extended training camp now. Was part of the getting started so early and really kind of a rededication to things, uh, not that you weren't in shape for that fight, you were, or you wouldn't have performed well, but was going up to Big Bear and getting an early start kind of a way to make sure that didn't happen again? Yes, that's, that's exactly what happened. You know, I wanted to come up here with more time just so I could be more comfortable, just so I don't feel like pressured to have to lose the weight uh, so fast and so quickly. I've been up here for 11 weeks. By the time I leave, it's going to be 13 weeks. 
Wow. And I just, every, I wanted everything to be on point. You know, a lot of critics were talking and saying all this stuff, but well, I think with this this fight, I'm gonna shut them up. You know, I'm gonna shut everybody's mouth. Um, yesterday I went at, weighed in at 174, so oh, I only have wow. six pounds left. So by the time I leave here, I'm gonna be 171 or 170. So, Perfect. you know, weight is not gonna be an issue this time. And, and I feel, you know, right now, actually I feel mentally and physically the best I've ever felt in my life. So I'm just looking forward to put on a great performance on March 13th. Yeah, the other, uh, the other good thing is that you're back in the ring now five months after you last fought, which in this day and age in boxing is not bad. People often have longer layoffs. And, of course, on top of that, there's the COVID issue. So that part probably has to feel kind of good to you as well. Yeah, you know what? Right now, I just want to be, stay as active as I can. You know, if, if I don't get these big fights, you know, the big fights I want, like Charlo or Caleb Plant, you know, the, the other option is, you know, definitely stay active, you know, just to, just so I could feel better for by the time the, the big fights come, you know, I feel um, everything is, is on point. And also, too, to give my fans, you know, you know uh, uh, some uh, more footage of David Benavides. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point, you know, and I know for boxers, it's a difficult kind of balancing act, but part of the way fans stay engaged and and fan bases stay engaged is by seeing people in action. And so that's an important part of it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then I feel like I have a lot to give, you know, especially the way I fight my boxing style. I feel like yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan favorite, you know, fighter. And, you know, anytime, no matter who is going to be, I feel like, and every, everybody's always going to tune in because they love the way I fight and I always bring exciting fights. Yeah. You, um, now, for this training camp, which you pointed out, you've been there a long time. One of the things that was uh, difficult, I'm sure, was you have a newborn uh, that was born in, at the, toward the end of 2020. Congratulations, a new son. And uh, you had to be gone for Christmas, which had to be a really hard emotional thing. How, how difficult was that? Yeah, and it wasn't just Christmas. It was you know, my birthday. It was December 17th. Oh, so my birthday, Christmas, New Year's. Ouch. You know, it was very hard, man. But like at the end of the day, I'm doing this for my son and my girlfriend, my family. So I feel like there's going to be more Christmases are going to be better, you know, after this one. So um, and this is what this is what, what, what we have to give sometimes. Sometimes we have to sacrifice just special moments with our son, just to our sons and our families, just to, to make things happen for our family. And if I really want to be a champion, this is exactly what I got to do. Good point. Now, in a few weeks, you're going to be in the ring against uh, Ronald Ellis, uh, who's a good boxer, puncher, solid fighter. What does he bring to the table that you guys have concentrated on that you want to make sure you negate? You know, I feel like Ronald Ellis is more of a boxer, puncher. I, I haven't really seen too much of him, you know, the, because there's not really too much fights about him. But the right. fights I do see him, he looks like he likes to be a counter puncher. He likes to use the ring. You know, so uh, those fighters, fighters favor me even more, you know, so it's, it's my job to hunt him down, go to the body, use the jab, you know, control the pace with the jab. And, um, you know, the way I'm working in this training camp, I feel like it's going to be early stoppage. Really? So you feel like you can get him out of there? Uh, and you were the first one to stop Angulo. Uh, he had never been stopped in his career. So you're is that kind of also hoping for that as an exclamation mark uh, point to to market yourself as? further uh the a guy who should be the kingpin at 168 yeah and also that's just to satisfy myself honestly i like to just go in there and stop people just so by the time i finish fighting them they don't have nothing to say and it brings more it brings more fans and more crowds so i feel like you know that at the end of the day the, the boxing fans they want to see knockouts and they want to see stoppages but the way i'm feeling right now man it's just i feel way too strong way too fast you know i just turned 24 i'm getting that much closer to my man strength so I feel like I'm tapping into a whole different type of power. So I, I feel extremely well, and I feel like it's going to be early stoppage come uh, March 13th. 
you touch on something interesting. You know, you're 24 years of age. You won your title at a very early age. Lost it twice outside of the ring. First time due to a drug infraction, and then this last time because of the the uh, the weight issues. And yet you're you're very upbeat at it about your future. And in a way, you know, you didn't have much of an amateur career. You learned as a pro. So I almost get the feeling, and and from that last comment, it sounds like it. You feel like you haven't totally scratched the surface of where you can be as a fighter. Yeah, definitely not. I feel like, you know, I, there's there's a lot of fighters like, you know, Terrence Crawford, you know, uh, Sergio Martinez that they peak at 28 years old or 27 years old. And I've right. already became champion, you know, before 20, uh, two-time world champion before 24 years old. So I feel like there's still a lot I can accomplish. There's still a lot I have to show. And, um, you know, I'm still, even with myself, I'm learning a lot just with experience. I'm getting going. 10, 11 rounds, you know, fighting these good fighters. So I feel like, you know, I don't even, I'm not even at the peak of what, what, what's next to come. And I feel like I could still accomplish so much more. And uh, the way I'm learning and the way I'm training in the gym, you know, it's just that there's, you, you guys still have to see the, 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 the best David Benavides. Yeah. It's interesting. Now the 168 pound division, you know, is uh, one that uh, the matchups that are available sometimes revolves around Canelo Alvarez because he's, he's an icon in boxing and, and as a cash cow in the sport. Uh, sometimes who, whoever he fights determines what fights happen in that division otherwise. When you think of yourself, though, what do you see moving forward in the next couple of fights for you, uh, including the possibility of fighting him? Well, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of great super middleweight fighters right now that could be the fights could be made easier than Canelo. I feel like Canelo right now is a cash cow, so honestly, it's a little bit harder to grab a fight with him. But right, you know, you still there's a fight with you know that, that could be possibly made with Charlo, you know, Caleb Plant, you know, maybe Colin Smith, Billy Joe Sanders. There's a lot of great fights. Yeah, there's a lot of great fights for me that I, that I have that could be made that the fans would love to see. So you know, if I take any of those routes, you know, I mean, I I think that's there'd be great fights for boxing. And honestly, if I honestly for me, I feel like it would be more satisfying if I beat all those fighters first and then I earn a fight with Canelo Alvarez right. that way. I feel like that would be the best route for me. Yeah. Do uh are you intent on fighting for a world title in your next fight? Is that what your goal is then? Oh uh, well, no, the next fight is gonna be, I think it's the title eliminator. So I think we, I with my uh I'll fight a title eliminator and then I think Anthony Jarrell has a title eliminator as well. So I think what it's shaping out to be, I think I might fight a rematch with him, and then the winner gets to fight for the WBC. Okay, so that's which I have, yeah, yeah, which I have no problem with. You know, the pro, you know, people they they like the first Darrell fight. They thought it was a good fight, and I have no problem with going back in there and fighting Darrell again. Yeah, now if, he if has he to, comes out if he comes out successful in his fight, right? He has to win his eliminator first. Okay, so so that would be the path you would take, and then move on to potentially a, a world title match. Um, you know, you, uh, your life uh, has been one that has just been filled with uh, intriguing. I thought the, the Angulo fight was kind of a, an interesting um, uh, comparison to your life in boxing overall, in which something great happened, and then there was something associated with it that wasn't so perfect. Uh, you and your family have kind of lived a boxing journey that's like that you'll get something really terrific happening and then something not so great will happen either inside or outside the ring. You know, your brother was shot. Your uncle, unfortunately, was killed. You guys have had 
struggles sometimes with uh, other things related to boxing. And yet along the way, there have also been great things. It seems like now in your life, for one of the first times, life is settled. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I feel like it is. You know, right now, I'm the mo most motivated I've ever been in my life, you know, just because of my son, my family. And, you know, I've already made the mistakes, you know, so now all I, all I could do is look forward. You know, I've, I've had an amazing training camp at Big Bear, so now I feel like I'm just going to come back here for the rest until my, until my career is done, just so everything can be more controlled. You know, and like I said, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of fans that, you know, they support me and a lot of people that love me and support me. So now, you know, I just got to be way more professional. Um, you know, I'm dedicated. I work hard. But now I feel like this is now I'm ready to be, become a champion. I'm ready to be what everybody wants me to be. I think 20 years old, being a champion at 20 years old is a little bit too young. And now I had all I had to have all this stuff happen to me. And now that I see what I really want for my life. Now I know what direction I'm headed in. And, you know, I, I, I just want to tell the fans, you know, thank you. And I appreciate all the love and support they've given me. And, and now you're going to get the best out of me. I'm, every time I go in that fight, you're going to get 110% out of me each and every time. Yeah, you know, it's funny, most, uh, you know, athletes sometimes, as in your case, get great success early. And we all act as if at 21, at 20 years of age, we should all look back at our own lives and realize that perhaps we weren't as mature as we would like to be at age 20. And sometimes when life comes at you and you're in the public eye, it isn't as easy as, as somebody might think. Yeah. Well, you know, it really isn't easy, man. Uh, but like I said, I just got to be grateful for everything I've been through. Y'all got to be grateful for and all the steps I've taken to get me to this point, you know, it, everything I went through just led me to have the mindset I have now. And I feel like I'm in the best place I've ever been at in my life. And you know, I'm just looking to, I'm just looking to the future. Now I'm not looking to the past or anything I did back then. I'm looking to the future and what I want to accomplish now. Is 168 pounds uh, going to be a good weight division for you for a while? It seems like it might, but you know best how your body is feeling. Uh, are you, Going to be at this weight for a little while before you would think of moving up? Yeah, I'm going to be here until I get all these fights uh, done that I want to get done. Um, I feel like I can't leave 168 until all, all these fights that I have on the table get made. So you're able to make the weight uh, uh, well enough for that? No, yeah, definitely. That's why, you know, that's why I have to come to camp, you know, three months in advance, you know, just to yeah. make sure everything runs smooth. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, this is my job. I got to be professional now. This is, this is the route I'm going to go. But I feel comfortable at 168. I think... If I move up to 175, it might be in maybe three years until, yeah. until I finish all these fights I want to get done because, you know, I'd already promised my fans I'd give them all these fights. So, and I feel comfortable right now where I'm at. So um, I think in, in three years, I'll go up to 175. I think that's good news for boxing fans because yeah. so often, you know, when fighters are, are going from weight to weight, to, we don't, sometimes fans don't get to see the fights that they're really excited about. And that, that division, as you point out, has many good fights and you're, you have a lot of fans that want to see you in those fights. Yeah, exactly. And the, the best thing too, is that I got time on my side. So if I am saying, yeah. saying in three years, I'll go to 175, I'm still going to be 27 years old. So I'm still going to be fairly young. So, I mean, that's the best thing about, you know, uh, turning pro at age 16, <laughs> that, you, that you have a long time ahead of you. Yeah, you went, as I pointed out earlier, you went right into the pros without, uh, you didn't have an extended amateur career, so you were able to, to get some things done as a professional uh, and, and get that title early. Well, um, so uh, in, in, in uh, closing, uh, what do fans expect to see on March 13th with you and Ronald Ellis? I know you indicated you think there could be an early stoppage. What, what kind of, is that what you see happening in that fight? 
Well, yeah, the one thing I'm going to say is the last time I trained in Big Bear for one of my training camps was when I fought uh, Porky Medina. You guys see how that oh, fight that was played a, yeah. out. That was the last time I trained here. So now, you know, I feel the hand speed coming back. I feel everything is uh, is on point. You know, everything is at the best it should be. So expect another shoe shine knockout, man. It's going to be a great night on March 13th. Well, that was a great performance against Porky Medina. And, and what, my, what the casual fan might not remember is he – is a terrific fighter and at that time was was an excellent fighter so that win carried extra with it yeah 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 so hey. he had um uh yeah he had just came off that 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 loss from james degale but yeah, a lot of yeah a draw wins, actually was, with james degale yeah so yeah. i mean that was a great victory that was a great victory too but i've been you know like i said i got you know i'm older i got more power now i got more strength and i got more experience in the ring so you know this is david benavides now is 10 times better than i was back then so oh, expect a, expect a good knockout. We will look forward to seeing you on uh, March 13th. And David, uh, continued success, and we appreciate you visiting with us. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care. So that was our chat with David Benavides. I, I love the last part of that conversation, trip because um, you David Benavides said something that uh, I believe is true. I don't think it was just him saying it because he felt like it was the right thing to say, that he wants to stay at 168 pounds as long as it takes to create all these major fights for the fans that he has and because he feels like it, it will create a lot of excitement whether it's against Caleb Plant and other contenders and he and he also says he doesn't mind working his way back to a Canelo fight at 168 and of course that's the ultimate and if you think about it that would be a terrific path for David Benavides if he could win a title back against someone, then face Canelo as a champion after he's beaten some top 168-pounders, uh, it would end up being one a very, very big fight in boxing. But I love that he's committed to doing that. So many fighters now switching weight divisions constantly, and oftentimes what happens for the fans is they don't get to see the, the fights in those divisions that they really crave. Well, Canelo has been a very busy fighter, and Joe Arias asks, what is the most attractive blockbuster fight for Canelo outside maybe a rematch with Triple G? Or is he better off fighting an unknown outside of the U.K.? Uh, Billy Joe Sanders is coming up. Your comments on that? Yeah. So, of course, May 8th, uh, Canelo is going to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders, assuming he beats him. And that some people believe that the left-handed style and the tricky boxing of Saunders will be a uh, a problem for Canelo that remains to be seen. But if he gets past that and still retains his title, either way, uh, what's a good matchup for Canelo? Well, honestly, not just because we chatted with him now, I think <laughs> maybe the best and most interesting matchup is David Benavides. Uh, he's a tall, uh, volume-punching fighter who sometimes gets hit uh, when he's in against top competition and <clears throat> is uh, the kind of person I think could draw Canelo into a, a fan-friendly fight. Uh, and, uh, you know, could he hurt Canelo? I don't know because Canelo has been hit very hard and seems to have an iron chin. But does Benavides have to hurt him? Now, I think Canelo would land some shots against Benavides, but uh, David Benavides would land against Canelo, too. He's a volume puncher. So Benavides doesn't have to knock out Canelo. He could win a decision and vice versa. I just think it would be a very 
entertaining fight. The other fight, if I had to mention another one that I would really love to see Canelo involved in, is Jamal Charlo, who of course now is a middleweight, but could easily move up to 168 pounds and would probably happily do that uh, for a very uh, uh, big money-making fight against Canelo. I think Jamal Charlo would be a terrific matchup. He's a big, you know, he's a, a terrific boxer puncher with power. Uh, and he and Canelo uh, have some similarities in a way in their style. And I think they would, they would make for uh, a really good matchup. So those would be my two with David Benavides as the number one that I'd like to see uh, Canelo Alvarez in. And, and there will be a third fight this year for Canelo Alvarez uh, after that May 8th Saunders fight. Uh, and if he wins the Saunders fight, he'll be um, he'll be ready to defend his title in what I think will certainly be a major fight. And you, we talked about Canelo. He's a pretty busy fighter. What what is the perfect number of fights a year? If you were in, if you were commissioner of the world, what would you like to see your well, top fighters do a year? Well, think about this. We're saying Canelo's busy because he's fighting three times a year. <laughs> okay. And I just yeah. talked about Muhammad Ali, who fought five times in 1966 while he was a world championship. Uh, world <laughs> <have> champion. <laughs> uh, so, uh, at this juncture, given the realities of of the current day boxing world and the understanding that it's probably not healthy for fighters to fight seven, eight times a year. Uh, some would argue five or six is too many. I don't know. Um, but three fights a year, I think is at least the amount that, you know, and we talked about it with, with David Benavides there a little bit, the fan base, if you don't fight your fan base, almost doesn't have anything to root for, do they? Because they're rooting for your brand as a fighter, but if they don't see you, then they can't be engaged with you. Uh, and I just feel like three times a year fighting, you know, once every four months, it does not place an undue burden physically on a, on a fighter and keeps, it helps the sport of boxing, helps the fighter make more money, which I assume, you know, they want to do because there's a shelf life to how long you can fight. Um, so I, I just think three in this current, for major fighters, now some fighters on their way up want to fight more than three times uh, because they want to build their resume. Um, but I, I think three for sure uh, is, you know, is the right amount of time. Unless, of course, you're Gary Russell and you only fight once a year. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, in, when it comes to TV shows, 46 to 50 a year, are you comfortable doing that every year? Yeah, that's right. I think that's the exact right amount. I've, although I've, I take a lot of punishment doing this show, so I'm not sure I can okay. bear up. You know, you, you, you throw a lot of body punches, Trip. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep out of it. Smelodies writes, what was your favorite, your personal favorite decade of observing boxing, either as a fan or a professional? Yeah, you know, that's kind of an easy question. You'd think it would be the hardest question to answer, wouldn't you? But as many, although there's been many great decades, and I, you know, I started watching boxing, uh, maybe I was nine or 10 years old, so around 1959 or 1960. So you figure I had the 60s, 70s, 80s, 60s and beyond. 
the 1980s remain my favorite decade for so many reasons. Of course, it was the decade I began in, in the world of broadcasting. In 1980, I began doing the ESPN show. I'd started as a boxing writer for magazines, uh, Boxing Illustrated and other publications in about 1978. And so in 1980, I was on ESPN and broadcasting, and it was my absolute uh, uh, joy and a, a, really a very beneficial thing to me that I started in 1980 because I got what many people believe is the best decade of boxing to start my career. Gil Clancy, the great uh, trainer and, of course, CBS broadcaster who I had the privilege to work with, um, uh, on a number of occasions, and it was a great mentor to me. One time I was having breakfast with him, and it was about 1984 or so, 85 maybe, and I asked him, I said, you've been around, you've seen the, you know, a lot of boxing uh, before now. Uh, is this decade right now, this period, this era we're, we're in, feels really special to me, but is it as special as I'm feeling? And he said, absolutely. He said, this is one of the best times I can remember in boxing. Uh, and of course, that was in the midpoint of the 80s and it did nothing but get better. A plethora of great fighters, the four kings, Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Durand, of course, were at the top of the mountain, but you know, there was Pryor, Arguello, uh, Holmes, so many great fighters and so many great matchups during the course of that, uh, that, that decade. And, uh, you know, I, I was just lucky to be getting into the sport and was thrilled that I was able to do a lot of the pay-per-view fights that featured many of those, uh, those great champions. And, uh, so for me, the 1980s, definitely uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite decade in the sport of boxing. Uh, and answering that question, you brought up one of our future guests, Larry Holmes. And uh, that's a great get. I did. And Larry's going to be joining us in a couple of weeks. And he is going to uh, chat about his great career. I can't wait to, uh, uh, to talk to him. I've spent a lot of time with Larry at various events in the last 15 or 20 years, uh, you know, special boxing events or Hall of Fame inductions. And uh, and he's he's a great guy to visit with. You know, I, I enjoy Larry. And uh, and he had a very interesting time as, of course, the man that succeeded uh, Muhammad Ali. It brought with it many challenges. Uh, and for the most part, he met all those challenges, even if sometimes he had to suffer the slings and arrows of um, uh, of some uh, mi often misguided public opinion uh, about him. And uh, we're going to get into all of that in our interview with Larry Holmes. And uh, our next guest is going to be a very special one before Larry. And that, of course, is uh, Snoop Dogg. And uh, he's going to fans are going to get a kick out of their chat with Snoop Dogg. Because uh, I get a chance to talk to him, not just about his entrance into boxing. He's got an April 17th fight coming up uh, with, uh, called, with Fight Club. That is, uh, he's doing in uh, along in association with Ryan Kavanaugh and Triller. Um, and that should be a fun event. And on that event, I just, which just was recently announced that Antonio Tarver, uh, my former uh, announcing mate at uh, uh, 
Showtime is going to be fighting Frank Mir, the former wrestler and UFC fighter. Yeah, which is crazy, right? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go that... figure. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to have fun with that. And we're going to chat with Snoop Dogg about that and other topics as well. We, uh, you know, we get into everything from boxing to gin to gospel music to rap. So it's a pretty eclectic uh, and football, I might add, which is uh, he's interested in as a uh, as a great fan and a a coach and founder of a youth football league that has helped so many young men. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Um, We want to mention our friend Tom Yankello, who is, uh, of course, has world class boxing channel on YouTube. And we always uh, urge you to go over there and take a look at his channel and all the great instructional videos he has for boxers. And many of those videos are are also just intriguing to watch if you want to understand the sport of boxing. Uh, it's very educational, and you'll get a kick out of watching them. So uh, we have some fun times ahead of us, Tripp, and uh, I think uh, we got some great guests coming up, and uh, we should have some fun times. Well, great job as always, and uh, really enjoyed your that answer on Muhammad Ali. I'm going to use because that is one of the misconceptions that we lost him in his prime. But when you said he came back at 27 and a half, I think yeah. about all the heavyweights who were in their prime in their 30s, and then look right. at George Foreman, you know, beyond that. Yeah, we sometimes forget that, and that doesn't take away whether it was justified or not justified, and the fact that it, it's a shame it happened. But we do have to remember that he was back at 27 and a half, and that's not a super old age. So shameful that it got taken away from him. And the other interesting thing is, of course, as we said, for him, that two two and a half years was eight fights. So not only uh, did the fans get cheated out of great fights, but also great revenue for him. But he was able to come back. And sometimes we just... It's hard as sports fans. We can't remember always all the facts. So um, it's intriguing. All right, well, hey, our thanks to David Benavides for joining us for this show. My thanks, as always, to Tripp for uh, doing such a fine job as co-host. My thanks to Let's Do Something Productions for making this happen. And most of all, thanks for all of you for listening and or watching. And uh, we will see you next time.